The next book of the Bible we're considering in our series of short podcasts, 66 books, which take an overview of each of the 66 books of our Bible. And you've reached the book of the prophet Isaiah. The book of the salvation of God. Before we dive straight in and look at the book of Isaiah itself, I'd just like to do a short introduction to the to prophecy and the prophetical books. In modern usage, the word prophecy and prophet are usually concerned with foretelling events. However, that was not the main usage of the words in Old Testament times. Prophecy basically meant knowing the will of God. A prophet was a spokesperson for God. The true prophet could be appointed only by God and was therefore known as a man of God, a messenger of God, or even just sometimes the servant of God. A very clear indication of the Israelites' view of prophecy is, is seen in the way they actually arranged the books of the Old Testament. They divided their Bible into three sections, which they called the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings. Now the Law consisted of first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The Prophets consisted of the former Prophets, that's Joshua, Judges, Samuel and Kings, and the later prophets, which were in now, which is Isaiah, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and then, of course, the twelve so-called minor prophets at the end of the Old Testaments. The writings consisted of miscellaneous other books, including the wisdom literature. What we today call the historical books, in other words, Joshua, Judges, Kings and Chronicles, in fact, the Israelites considered prophetical and put them within that section. The reason for this is that these books were written from the prophetic viewpoint, showing God working out his purposes in the lives of his people across time. In summary, it might be said that in the former prophets, God revealed himself in the history of the nation Israel, while in the later prophets here, he is revealing himself through the words of his spokesman. The test of prophecy was not just what was said, but whether the prophet led people in the ways of God clearly. So when looking at Isaiah, for some he is called the prophet who focuses on the redemption of God. For others they think of him as the messianic prophet, mainly because of the wonderful foreshadowing prophetic passages like Isaiah 53, and some even call him the fifth evangelist. The prophet Isaiah is certainly the main connecting bridge between the Old and the New Covenants. In the New Testament, Isaiah is quoted far more than any other Old Testament prophet. He's mentioned 21 times by name, and chapter 53, Isaiah 53, is quoted directly or alluded to at least 85 times in the New Testament. Thinking about who wrote it, well, the opening verse of Isaiah claims that Isaiah himself is the author. The New Testament supports that view. John, in chapter 12, quotes Isaiah 6 and Isaiah 53, and he attributes the quotes himself to Isaiah. The same is true of Matthew in chapter 3 and Luke in chapter 3, and in Acts, they quote Isaiah and, and credit him. 
Furthermore, it's important to note that both Jewish and Christian traditions have universally attributed this book to Isaiah. Also, it's entirely reasonable to assume that Isaiah could predict the Babylonian captivity and the return under a Persian king 150 years in advance if one understands that he wrote under the inspiration of God. So who was the book written to? Well, Isaiah began his ministry at the end of Uzziah's reign, and he continued through the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. He evidently outlived Hezekiah by at least a few years, because chapter 37 and 38 records the death of Sennacherib in 681 BC. Thus, the generation who lived in the southern kingdom about 680 BC were the recipients of the book. When Isaiah was a young man, Assyria was a great menacing power. Other nations wanted to form a coalition against the Assyrians, and king, but King Isaiah would not join them. So Syria and the northern kingdom attacked the southern kingdom as a way to try and force her to cooperate with them against Assyria. Instead of trusting the Lord for help, Ahaz turned to Assyria for assistance. Assyria defeated the northern kingdom in 722 BC and the southern kingdom became a vassal state to her. Isaiah told the people to trust the Lord, but others told the king to turn to Egypt for help. God gave Hezekiah the victory at the actual walls of Jerusalem, where he miraculously defeated Shennacherib of Assyria, and that's documented for us in Isaiah 37 and 38. So Isaiah is living through these turbulent times and writing to the people who are also living through these times. Although he ministered primarily to the southern kingdom, he warned Judah of judgment by Babylon, even though at that time Babylon had not risen to power. He delivered a warning to the northern kingdom, and he pronounced judgment on the Gentile nations of Babylon, Moab, Damascus, Egypt, even, etc. But in doing so, he spoke to all the nations and all the people of the earth. Thinking about the message, God's servant Isaiah, as we said, he lived in Jerusalem, where he was in a sense an advisor to several kings of Judah. He was a person of importance, and over many years he used his position to try and influence Judah's policies in both local and international affairs. Much of the early part of Isaiah is concerned with attempts to persuade the ungodly Ahaz to trust in God instead of seeking military help from his neighbours. Isaiah saw that Assyria and Egypt, along with many other nations among Judah's neighbours, were opposed to Israel's God, who Isaiah knew was the one and only true God. The prophet therefore announced God's judgment upon each of them in turn. But he also saw that Judah was rebellious against God and that the nation was heading for this terrible judgment. He foresaw that the people were going to be taken into activity in a foreign land. But through all these events, however, he also predicted that God would preserve the remnant, the minority of people who would remain faithful to him. So the subject of the book is the salvation of God. The word salvation appears 26 times in the book. It only appears 7 times in the other prophets combined. Therefore, the message of Isaiah is simply God judges sin and brings salvation through the Messiah and his coming kingdom. So thinking about the structure of this book, most of the book is poetry. Chapters 1 to 35 are in the forms of poem, then there follows a short four passages of history, and then 
chapter 40 to the end of the book, chapter 66, are again prophecy. So the first 35 chapters are the poetic prophecies of judgment and the restoration, the salvation of the nation. Then there's the history under Hezekiah in chapters 36 to 39, and then it returns to the prophetic form, dealing again with the restoration or the salvation. Both God comforting his people and, of course, the great revealing of the coming servant of God, the Messiah. So thinking about the purposes, why this was written, well, many Bible experts believe that Isaiah had three main purposes. The first purpose was to preach against and thereby expose sin. There was political corruption and moral depravity everywhere during the time of Isaiah. And Isaiah not only exposed these evil things, he exposed the nation's basic sin and its wrong attitude and its relationship to God that was revealed so clearly in its idolatry. The second purpose of Isaiah is to pronounce judgment on the sinner. He pronounced judgment on the nations that sinned, on Babylon, Egypt, Moab and Tyre, but also on Jerusalem itself. And the third purpose of Isaiah was to predict the coming salvation of God, not just for Israel, but for the whole world. Isaiah at a local level predicted that Assyria would not take the southern kingdom, but he also predicted the coming kingdom of God and the Messiah and how that would be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So just to summarize this book in a single phrase, Isaiah the prophet denounces the sins of Judah and pronounces the judgment on Judah and the surrounding nations, but yet at the same time predicts the ultimate salvation of God in the Messiah and in the coming kingdom of God. Therefore showing that God judges sin yet brings salvation through the death and resurrection of the suffering servant, the Messiah.